Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. And I do have a uh, co-host or guest um, as well. This time it's not going to be a solo show, but... Um, have we discussed and gone through and uh, uh, scheduled and scripted out what we're going to say? No, um, because um, Mr. Stephen Harris joined me um, four seconds ago. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, good evening, Paul, and good evening to your viewers. It's always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM. And yeah, a little bit late, but uh, as the Eric Carmen, Carmen song goes, I didn't want to leave you all by yourself, mate. So I'm here. No, thank you. It's, it's, it's good to get the sound check in as well. Just um, there, there we go. So yeah, we can hear Steve, which is great. Um, all, all, all the tech lo- lo- luckily works um, first time every time. Um, anyway, folks, boy, oh boy, we have a weekend of rugby to talk about. But uh, we will go back further than that because we also have got the Maori All Blacks game to talk about. Um, the uh, Pacific Nations Cup wrapped up. Uh, obviously, we had the um, All Blacks versus Ireland um, and uh, the aftermath of that, which is uh, rumbling on. Uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go on for some time um, to, um, uh, to, 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 to come as well. And as time to fly says, no man should cry alone. <laughs> very, very true. Very oh, that, true. that is goals. Um, We're off to a good start. <laughs> The, um, um, we'll also obviously touch on the uh, the, the final uh, the, or the deciding test for the um, Australia England uh, Springboks versus Wales and Argentina versus Scotland um, games as well. So plenty of stuff to talk about um, this uh, coming weekend. Um, but uh, Stephen, did um, what was your weekend of rugby like? Did you get out about and, uh, and and catch some rugby? Uh, yes, I did, Paul. Um... Headed off, as you know, I, I cover the club rugby scene and, and mostly the Auckland area, but also the Blues area as well. Of course, last weekend headed up to um, to Whangarei to take in the uh, Northland club final. And uh, i got to say that was pretty pretty one-sided, but the uh, weekend just gone. I headed across to watch the North Harbour club final between uh, North Shore and uh, Takapuna, who'd been unbeaten all season. Of course, the 2021 winners were North Shore, who basically pipped 
um, pipped Takapuna right at the post last year, scoring a last-minute converted try. But uh, this year it would be uh, Takapuna who got the revenge and uh, took out the victory by uh, uh, 29 points to uh, 19. And what I've got to say was a really, really high-quality, exciting tense final and uh, the most enjoyable thing about it was the two sets of uh, supporters the, the, the game so many swings and roundabouts and of course each set of supporters uh, letting the other lot uh, know <laughs> who was in control of the game and of course not till the uh, uh, closing minutes did uh, Takapuna uh, based on the shore uh, took home the victory now from what I believe was their first victory in in 12 years they'd been in a couple of finals in recent times but hadn't been able to get across the line now and um, so great to get out to out to club rugby and um, the uh, it was also finals weekend down here in uh, Thames Valley that I didn't get to go along so my daughters um, with me but um, I uh, will be uh, catching some rugby this coming weekend but we'll talk about all of um, that uh, that later um, don't forget folks you can always join us at 8pm on Monday evenings for the uh, Driving More show it's live on YouTube Facebook and Twitter or you can listen to the uh, podcast to search for New Zealand Sports Radio. Uh, and you know what? They uh, they do say that people like bad news, and bad news is uh, bringing them all in. Uh, we've got Boa as well. How are you doing, sir? Bad news sells newspapers. Since the day <laughs> of uh, newspapers being invented and printing presses, um, yeah. Well, there is a bit of a silver lining, which we'll talk about, but uh, good news and bad news. The, the bad news is, of course, we don't need to go over it. The good news is I did tip that Wellington is a graveyard for the All Blacks. And guess what? Statsman strikes again. And hopefully, I know one person who took the juicy odds um, and he's smiling ear to ear. Uh, and I have to say, on, on, this has been one of the rare occasions I've gone against the All Blacks. And I'm not too happy. I'm, I'm not too unhappy about the result. Uh, yeah, and uh, as uh, the reviewer said, it took a while for rugby at international level to get this unpredictable. Well, yes, well, it was, um, whilst Boa picked that one, um, there were a lot of 50-50 games um, that also uh, that were on this weekend um, that um, uh, that came up, that, 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 that were there. So, yes, it has been a cracking um, week or cracking set of series um, of rugby. And as has somebody um, has pointed out already, what is World Rugby trying to do? Well, they're trying to get rid of... Uh, uh, international tours during the summer windows to add this nation's cup. So this might be one of the one of the uh, last sets of um, of uh, sort of three match test tours uh, that we do get to see, folks. And it was nice to have a bit of an old fashioned one with the uh, Mary All Blacks games as well. And uh, yeah, we've not talked since then, so we should wind back to last Tuesday um, where the Mary All Blacks lost to Ireland twenty four to um, thirty. Uh, I get just uh, listening to the um, Harping on Rugby podcast, and they made a good point there that, look, um, the, the Maori All Blacks play in a similar style to the Barbarians. They like to throw it around. They like to play from anywhere. It's kind of their style. Um, they also don't have a lot of preparation time, let's be honest. So when they come up against an international team that is structured, uh, nine times out of ten, they should lose. But actually, they've got a much better record than that. But um, that's kind of what we saw last Tuesday, though, boys, isn't it? That uh, the, the more structured, organised side that um, became much more cohesive after having a couple of weeks together, uh, won the day um, over the, uh, the the Barry All Blacks. Yeah, definitely a case of we thought uh, when the Maoris scored very early, um, 
course, Sean Stevenson, who had a very, very good game getting across early in the piece. And we thought, listen, here we go again. It's going to be a, a good, open, fast game. Unfortunately for the Māori, they also started making mistakes. And you hit it right on the head, Paul Island, just a little bit more con- little bit more structure involved. And they glo- and they slowly, slowly but surely uh, ground the Māori down. And uh, I think uh, once they got out to a reasonable lead, I think the Māori were always playing catch-up but still making those uh, little errors on what was a depth night in the capital. Yeah, and um, so look, I, it's great to see the Maori All Blacks back. It's great to see the Maori All Blacks back playing at Tier 1 Nation um, as well. I think also the Maori All Blacks, that you saw with selections there, we didn't have Zan Sullivan at fullback. Um, we had TJ starting uh, in this game. So I think it was also an element of rotating and making sure that all the players um, got a game um, as well, and that the whole squad was used. So um, uh, I think there was all of that kind of stuff there. So I love Mario Blokes. I'm glad they're back. We have the games. I think they should have more um, and um, not really too worried about the uh, the loss there, Boa. Um, yourself, are you happy with how, how, that, uh, how that series panned out, those two games? Yeah, no, it was good. I think, uh, and, and, and what for me, the one big highlight is that, you know, we, we should get the most competitive teams in first up. There's no question about it. There's no point, you know, bringing in the island nations and just make, turn, turning into an easy beat sort of competition so that we can, you know, pad our record. That that has to stop. That has to stop. And what a way to start uh, the international season down here. And, and also just uh, adding to your point, I think, rugby, the way the game is being policed and at times over-policed, it does suit a sort of robotic, more clinical uh, 15-man effort. Uh, and that's, I think, what Ireland really proved on this tour. Uh, it, it, it's it's almost reminiscent going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, when the uh, Wallabies and the Brumbies were dominating in a very sort of uh, robotic style. But there's, you know, very ruthlessly efficient um you know, very good, clean shapes of attack and a very structured defense. And, of course, they use their kicking game very well. And this is an area I think the Irish clearly beat the All Blacks, particularly with some 50-22s. I've been harping on about 50-22s uh, since last season when, when it came into effect. So these are the areas, I think, where they innovated. But once you actually break it down, it's not real innovation. What it is, it's going back to the basics, the fundamental core pillars of the game. And they do it really well. So this is an area I think the All Blacks have moved away from. And unfortunately, we just keep looking for X-factor individual uh, brilliance. And uh, those last couple of tests, particularly Wellington, it didn't happen often enough. Yep. Um, look, some lots of chat thing asking about Ian Foster. We will get on to Ian Foster, don't worry. We'll probably spend the second half of the show um, talking about uh, the Mario, the sorry, the All Blacks versus Ireland series and uh, and and what's going to happen to Ian Foster in this first half hour. Let's wrap up for the, the other games as well. Uh, also, Johan Rugby asking me, Paul, did you see how angry Eddie Jones got at the Australian who called him a um, Tony a traitor? Yeah, look, that kind of stuff isn't on. Look, folks, uh, it's professional rugby. We he's not a traitor. Uh, what the guy said was wrong. Um, now, uh, should Eddie Jones respond like that? Probably not, but um, at the end of the day, so yeah, uh, unedifying all round. I didn't watch, watch the video in detail, but put some. Um, but yeah, it's not. Uh, look, fans uh, need to be fans um, and support um, rather than just being aggro. Um, a bit of banter is fun, but that uh, that that wasn't banter. So yeah, not uh, not happy with that kind of behaviour 
um, from fans. And uh, let's the, the less we see of it, the less we highlight it, um, personally, the better. Paul Bluntley. Um, so we'll move on from that quickly because of that. Um, TV Nations Cup, then we had two games there. Tonga losing to Australia A, 22 to 39. Um, and Fiji losing to, to Samoa, 20 to 30, 23. Um, great to see the um, Australia A being used, similar in the way to the Murray All Blacks. Um, and getting over there and playing those games. Um, but um, uh, Boa, look, a real lesson here for, for Tonga, who brought back, obviously, your Charles Piertels, your, um, your Israel Folau, etc. Um, and it really hasn't worked for them with three losses on the bounce um, against Fiji, Samoa uh, and Australia. A. The game starts up front and, um, yeah, bringing these superstar players back just hasn't worked for Tonga, has it? No, no. And this this comes back to what Ireland did. You know, rugby is a 15-plus-8 it's, it's game now. You know, you need... You need a, a, a whole team effort. And I think, frankly speaking, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for Totai Kefu, but he's the wrong guy to be coaching a team like Tonga. And, uh, you know, I had three of my boys from uh, our premier side at Manuka Rowers playing in this Tongan side. Um, you know, it was just, uh, to me, it was the wrong strategy. And they just, with, with a team of superstars, they just ended up nowhere. Uh, again, what they need to do is go back to basics, do the hard graft first, get the possession, play the territorial game, do the basics right. So once you move away from that, and once you just look at the whole razzle-dazzle, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the hot potato style game, it doesn't work at Test Rugby. It's a brutal lesson for Tonga to, to learn as well. And all in all, it did was actually uh, kind of derail the campaign uh, for, for some of the smaller clubs around uh, Auckland particularly. Um, uh, but, you know, look, uh, it's, it's a real honour playing for your country. Unfortunately, um, I did see this happening a long time uh, before, long before this this uh, team was put together. Just just wrongly coached, and I guess uh, you know they might have another Ian Foster situation there in Tonga. Yeah, the um, uh, the reviewer says Tonga's focus is to qualify the, for the World Cup um, this week. Uh, yeah, look, they're up against Hong Kong uh, and um, playing, I think, in, on the Gold Coast in Australia. Look, at the end of the day. Uh, up against Hong Kong, the the greater level of athletes will win. Uh, Tonga will win this game. Um, I, I think it doesn't really matter who's coaching them. Uh, they'll, they 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 should win that game. So, um, uh, whilst you say they're focusing on that game and sure they need to keep players fit for that game, I don't think they needed to sort of. Uh, I, I don't think that should have detracted from their performances during these games. These games should have been used for cohesion uh, and for building some momentum slash uh, morale. Um, and uh, that's kind of not what's happened. So, um, but I still expect them to beat uh, to beat Hong Kong um, on that one. Um, Stephen, uh, really impressive by Samoa. Obviously, Fiji, the, uh, the the first team to I think it was to um, to qualify for the Rugby World Cup. But Samoa's come through now, um, adding that forward pack to to their team to become the top team in uh, out of the Pacific Islands. And that's uh, it's, it's been a really impressive um, sort of uh, progression for them, uh, and you've got to be you've got, to, you've got to be smiling for them heading towards the World Cup next year. Yeah, have to agree with that, Paul. And you know, once again, it, it's it's about continuity. If you look at the a, a good number of that that pack, that Samoan pack, they're playing playing up in up in Europe. So I think they've just probably put that groundwork in, got 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 their structures right, and along the way, they've actually played some really really good rugby. And and at times, they've been able to to rope it in and, and play with a little bit of structure. And um, I, I thought they'd win in that first game. I mean, so that was a very surprising win. 
over over Fiji. Um, Fiji, I think, will be a little bit disappointed, you know, knowing most of this most of this tournament's um, actually been played played at home. I thought they would have probably thought it was a great opportunity to to take out the Pacific Nations Cup, but really credit to Samoa that look like a team that that's definitely on the rise. Yeah, absolutely. Look, folks, um, they're in a um, pool D with England, Japan, Argentina. Uh, and Chile. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Chile, who've qualified ahead of the USA. Um, I'm looking at doing a, a little piece for um, the uh, for, for patrons. I do a for your ears only over on the uh, New Zealand Sport Radio Patreon page, so patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. Having a quick look at the um, the force world rankings and what it kind of means um, from this window heading into that uh, Rugby World Cup um, next year so uh, uh look out for that one folks also over there um, i'm having a chat with harping on rugby um who is uh, an irish um, site tomorrow morning uh talking about how what this um all blacks versus ireland se uh, series win uh, win means for ireland and in ireland so um that also will be over there on the patreon.com for such enter support radio that'll be up sometime tomorrow um i'm going to skip over the uh new zealand uh, or the All Blacks Island Gangs will come back to that one and spend most of our time there. Um, Australia, England, 17 to 21 um, in this one. And um, England gets uh, the, the, the the series. Uh, is Eddie Jones heading towards the Rugby World Cup um, with strength? Or um, was this a game where Australia played all the rugby, um, mm -hmm. having run the ball twice as much, making four times as many passes, um, and uh, England really struggling still to score tries, um, but uh, just um, great defence, um, and uh, yeah, and, and say struggling, not really scoring many tries in this one. Uh, yes, they can dog themselves out and get get wins, but I'm still concerned for them. Um, Boa, is, is that a fair reflection that uh, sort of Australia hindered by lots of injuries? There's, this wasn't a true, true, true reflection. Perhaps how good they are, and England. Well, I say dogging it out, but not, uh, not impressing. Absolutely, I think this, this win and the series win will paper over the cracks really nicely. Um, and you know, Eddie Jones is not exactly the most likable or liked person, as we saw. <laughs> really, that uh, little clip which has gone viral, which I thought was absolutely disgraceful. Um, anyway, that's beside the point. Um, one area I do have to highlight, and this is a concern for the Wallabies, and this is. An area where England really dominated the Wallabies was in the collision. I thought the Wallabies, again, they were going far too high. And there were some critical line breaks where you could clearly see the tackler was just getting bumped off purely because they were entering into a very high position. And the, the English were quite clever around who they use as ball carriers. Uh, this was one area I think they, they sort of dominated. And apart from that, it was just a case of, you know, just wait for... Uh, the Wallabies to make a mistake and England pounced on it, uh, particularly that try uh, when their first five uh, just kind of, uh, you know, snake right through. You know, the Wallabies had, all, had the, the, the statistical advantage. They dominated the numbers all apart from the scoreboard. So um, this will probably give uh, Eddie Jones a little bit of oxygen uh, and a, a, would it be too unfair to say uh, that it's a stay on his execution eventually because uh, there's been a lot of pressure, particularly back home, uh, calling for him to move moved on. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, it's much like a Foster situation where this uh, away 
series win would probably pay for the cracks. And we'll see how he, uh, you know, continues throughout the rest of the tests. Yeah, in turnovers, 13 by Australia, 8 by England shows you that that's the one stat where Australia didn't um, didn't win. But that probably shows you that, yeah, that they, as you say, created opportunities, but then gave them up. Um, yeah, yeah, this this will probably, yeah, it's getting too close now and too expensive um, to replace people before the Rugby World Cup. So I think, yeah, as you say, this gets Eddie Jones through to the World Cup now because you're not going to replace him after the November games. And you're not going to sack him after winning a, a tour on uh, a win on uh, a winning tour. So yeah, so he, that 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 sees him through to the Rugby World Cup, as you say. Maybe not for Foster, but um, uh, I think all the Northern Hemisphere coaches will see themselves through um, to the uh, to the Rugby World Cup. Now I think the Welsh coach as well has done enough in this series to uh, uh, to, 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 to to earn himself that because um, he was also under pressure. Um, but. Uh, they came up short against South Africa, thirty to fourteen, in that um, uh, in in their last test. Um, South Africa always in front in this one, having picked their best team for this game, having sort of rotated players for the first two. Um, a bit surprised that they lost four out of ten of their um, scrums. South Africa there, that's not an area that you'd expect them normally to uh, to be strong. Um, so still not, uh, not 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 perfect from them by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but uh, yeah, solid win, thirty to fourteen. Never looked like losing against Wales. Um, South Africa sort of recovering from that blip, um, Stephen, and have uh, blooded a lot of new players or given a lot of players um, experience. Yeah, uh, just before I do, I was just going to touch base on on that Wallabies game. Um, I know, I know they've got some work yep. ons, and, and to, to my way of thinking, a lot of the, a lot of the mistakes they made that were their own doing. You know, I can think of something like um, uh, Harry Wilson with with a clean out from a you know, way past the point of contact when when basically they, they actually had momentum and I think they killed their own momentum. What I actually did enjoy about the about the about their game, and I didn't watch the whole game, I watched it the next the next day. I just like their creativity where they were actually quite creative when you when you can compare them what Rennie's trying to do compared to a, another certain side that we'll talk about at length in a moment at least you could actually see some creativity in their play and I think there were some real coach killers there but I think they've also suffered if you think about it I think losing somebody like Quade Cooper just a a, a really experienced balanced head um, from day dot, and you know, then you probably the injury to James O'Connor. I, I don't know. I think Lilisia will get there eventually, but he's he's not quite there at the moment. And I must admit, I also enjoyed, um, you know, Nick Frost is a, is a guy who was in the in the um, in the in the Crusaders Canterbury and Crusaders Academy, and and it's great to see him develop and, and get out there. Um, I hear just a cracking with, game. Yep. Yeah. Just with regards to Wales, Wales, South Africa, I can't say I did watch it, but I think at the end of the day, fellas, that probably came down to South Africa had the luxury of obviously rolling out another side in that second test, and I think Wales have pretty much had to roll roll out pretty much the, the same side three weeks in a row. I think the big the, the, it is a little bit of a victory for the for the Welsh because I, they've been way more competitive. On this tour than what I what I actually thought they they would be, and it's it's quite noticeable with South Africa when they are in a battle, they revert to type, but that type they do very well. Yeah, and actually, it's uh, and, and they've got their first ever uh, win against the Springboks in South Africa, 
not the first of a win in South Africa, because the Rugby World Cups and stuff, but the first of a win against the Springboks there. And um, Boa, you got a couple of comments around that uh, about that series between the box and I, I, I have I have to say it wasn't the most inspiring series. There were moments in that series it was maybe slightly more exciting than you guys watching me mow my lawns. It was bad, <laughs> old-fashioned, um, you know, go, get pissed rugby, whatever you call that. Um, and of course, that second, you know, that second test uh, where Springboks lost. Uh, you know, it was like watching the spring ball. Uh, you know, the, the kids, the kids go out and play. Uh, so, you know, all, all credit to them. Uh, Jacques Dinabe uh, experimenting, you know, get, blooding some new um, talent in there. And of course, they had the confidence to roll out the top side in the last test. Uh, it was comfortable. Wales were competitive. But again, you know, you, you keep seeing some of these um, crazy things like Dan Bigger jumping up and trying to take someone's ears off and nothing happened. So it was, you know, more or less the same or same or. And I guess there weren't enough red cards to say Wayne Pivak is any side this time. Um, but yeah, all in all, it wasn't the most inspiring series. I did stay up to watch uh, two out of the three tests. Um, I wish I hadn't, actually. I was going to say, I was going to, I was going to say, Bar, if you can um, put on food and drink when you're mowing your lawn, we'll come over and watch you mow your lawn as long as you're not doing it at three o'clock in the morning, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, three o'clock. Well, yeah, good on you. I'm not saying three o'clock in the morning. Wanting to watch one of those games, that's a certain. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I've survived with highlights from these ones, but um, I didn't. I, I was expecting Wales to get an absolute drubbing and to lose all three tests by country mile. Um, the fact they got very close in the first test, won the second test. Um, and sure, they lost this last one by 16 points. Um, but the fact that they were so com- they were competitive in the first two um, really mean, yeah, it really has say uh, has, has uh, changed a lot of people's opinion about Wayne Pivak and where he's taking this side. So um, yeah, absolutely um, on um, uh, agree with you on a lot of what, what, what was uh, a lot of what you said there. Um, I guess the only question, Boa, is do you, do you, are you kind of uh, do you, do you agree with um, with perpendicular lines, so the uh, stripes on your lawn, so the uh, linesman can tell off sides, or, or, or are you much more of a diamond sort of pattern person uh, when when you're cutting your grass? Because that, that, that's uh, that's what that's that's what we'll need to know. Diamonds all the time, and I do have a small club cadet. And at times, when I was watching the the box back walk to walk to the uh, breakdowns and the lineouts. I wish I was there with my club cadet because I could have, you know, given them a bit of a ride and got them there faster. So they were up to their old tricks. No question. Uh, one thing I have to say, moment of the series for me, the uh, the, the, the picture which really stays in my mind is uh, Gareth Anscombe coming back from a very lengthy layoff and kicking that corner flag conversion to give them that win in that second test. So I think, you know, fully deserved. And it's, 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 it's always nice to see a Kiwi win it for... Uh, another country, as has happened on many occasions. <laughs> so I just thought I'd throw that in there as well, gentlemen. Uh, I mean, Anderson coming back from what was a horrible knee injury, took him out, he was out for over a year, and seeing him back playing any kind of rugby on a rugby pitch is fantastic to see. Um, let's be honest, and somebody that I think Blues fans um, would have uh, liked to have had for the past uh, sort of seven years as their number 10, considering um, how, how the Blues have been going. Um, but clearly, J.K. decided he wasn't up to scratch and uh, and told him to go away. So there we go. At least J.K. joined the breakdown last night. He uh, admitted that he's a bad coach, um, which is which, which is good to see that he's uh, he's finally managed to have that sort of self awareness um, around himself on that one. Um, the uh, 
Um, USA lost to Chile by two points, meaning they lost on Adria by one point, meaning Chile goes through to the World Cup. USA now off into the final qualifying competition along with uh, Kenya, Namib um, not Namibia, I've gone blank. Um, USA, Kenya, oh, it's going to be, it's probably going to be Hong Kong when they lose to Tonga and um, somebody else, uh, um, Portugal. There we go. Um, I expect it to be a USA Portugal final. We'll um, we'll see about that. Obviously, if the USA do not qualify for this after they've been granted the World Cup, that would be a uh, yeah a massive um, uh, question. Mark, well, a, a massive loss for them um, and for World Rugby as well. Look, lots of positive stuff talking about about the USA Major League Rugby, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but so we're running out of time and. Um, just one, uh, two more games quickly. Uruguay beat Romania 26-20. Um, and uh, Argentina beat Scotland 34-31 after Scotland led 13-28 just after half time. Scotland had this game uh, won, but um, a, uh, a try after the buzzer off a, uh, was about a, about a, what, about a 10 meter scrum outside off, the, off their line um, to win this one. Um, Stephen, I don't know if you saw this one, but. Um, uh, you, you did what, what um, a heartbreak for Scotland, but so uh, some, some real guts showed by Argentina. Yeah, they they, they really really did well too. Uh, I thought they were pretty much out of this game, and their performance actually kind of kind of reminded me of a little bit about the All Blacks. You know, every now and again you see this individual this individual brilliance where where Scotland. Playing, playing with the structure, and I think if you think back to the, the, the second test year, the individual brilliance didn't come off, but the big difference this time, it actually did, it actually did come off, and uh, I thought they were rather fortunate uh, to get the win, but as we know, rugby is, a, is an 80-minute game, or in the case of this particular game, maybe an 82-minute 82 game, and um, I'll tell you what, the crowd made the biggest noise of the day when, uh, I think it was, what was it, Buffelli that went over in the, in the corner. Uh, yep. Yeah, just Great, great, great grandstand finishes, which is what we all want to see. And Bo, you, you've uh, nodding a lot there about uh, Argentina being a uh, an individual team compared to Scotland, a, a more structured team. I'm happy with the Townsend's coaching that he's doing there. Absolutely, I think Gregor Townsend's fantastic coach. He's instilled some real good fundamentals in this Scottish side. And that Buffelli try, I have to say, it was quite incredible. I stayed up to watch the game. Uh, in fact, I stayed up to watch all the games. It was uh, a 24 hour marathon uh, session of rugby. It's 7 a.m. You don't stay up until 7 a.m. You, you, get, you get up early to watch it. Shit. Wow. Sorry. I, I stayed through. I stayed through a big part. Whoa. One thing I've got to say about Argentina is they went to sleep for large parts of that game. And then all of a sudden, I think the crowd sort of woke them up. And it was almost like they got fixated on scoring a try. And that last play to get Buffelli over on that left-hand corner was actually a fantastic moment. The catch and pass, the precision of passing was fantastic. If they can repeat that for about 30 to 40 minutes in any test match, I think they'll be very, very hard to beat. Uh, but uh, you got to feel for Scotland, they, they almost uh, pulled it out of the fire. Uh, but, you know, Argentina, to their credit, they did a, a bit of an all-black sort of moment there. And uh, they themselves pulled it out of the fire. So, well done to them. Uh, and uh, I have to say, it sort of saved the Southern Hemisphere's blushes as well. Yeah, and look, um, the uh, Scotland went losing losing six lineouts. Um, so if, when you line out force pieces like that, the lineout to me is the most important set piece at the moment. 
ahead of uh, scrums and restarts. Uh, and uh, yeah, so um, that really, they, they hurt themselves there. Um, just like, well, because uh, moving on now to that, um, that, the, that historic test match where um, the All Blacks lost four of their 16, so 75% success of their lineouts. If you don't have a lineout, you don't have a platform, uh, is my new saying. Um, but um, Stephen, where do you want to start with this one? Um, it wasn't a, a even if they'd won all their lineouts, this, this was still a game that Ireland uh, truly won. I must admit, in that second half, um, I was amazed that uh, New Zealand even got within a score at one point. I think it was, but um, yeah, where, where do you want to start with this game? Yeah, it almost it almost had the feeling very similar to game to when they played played France. They always looked like they were behind the eight ball and had a lot of catching up to catching up to do. But just once again, not not quite accurate enough. But you know, for the third third test in a row, they got out of the blocks far too slow. And I think this Irish team is in such a confident um, mood at the moment. I think getting across the white the whitewash early um, mm. just put them in good stead. And I think. There was, if there was doubt within the in the All Blacks, um, I think it just rifled its way through the through the whole the whole team. And uh, actually, I suspect uh, a lot of panic set in, in in that first half. And I think that could that could just be seen with the amount of mistakes that they were were, were making. Some of them were pretty basic errors. I mean, to say a lot of credit to Ireland with their with their rush rush defence. But um, for anybody who was a hard out All Black supporter who was waiting for a, a response to what happened in the second test it, it just didn't come in that first half no and um the that led to i think was it a 17 point deficit at half time which is the largest ever deficit at half time uh, that the uh, the all blacks have had this is I mean, just rattle off a few records that were broken um, this is only the third country to beat new zealand oh, so beat the all blacks in New Zealand in a three-test series that Wallabies and the Springboks, the other two teams that have done it. British and Irish Lions have as well. Sorry, other countries. British and Irish Lions have as well. France have won a series here. That was only two tests before anyone starts trying to pick me up on uh, uh, Corrections Corner. Um, obviously, uh, over 100 years of playing games between these two teams, never, uh, either never won a test here. Um, uh, losing... Uh, so, yeah, um, the first loss series is 96, I think it was. Um, I, I'm not sure how many more negative uh, from an All Blacks point of view. Um, oh, I, I, was about to say, I was about to say I can add one more to that. They've beaten the All Blacks three times in a calendar year, Paul. Thank God we're not playing the Irish again in an in a end-of-season <laughs> tour again because they'll probably get beaten again. Um, yeah, just ab ab absolutely crazy. And there's probably not many teams in world rugby that could can actually say that um it, it that's just what makes it so so amazing like i'm i'm sort of uh curious to see how ireland rock on and we should give them credit before we um dissect the all blacks they they have just been absolutely amazing and you could almost basically say that maybe that first test was a little bit of an aberration that they had only just got off the plane um i mean to say even if you, you think back to that first test and what uh, what their um, what their coach basically said, Andy Farrell said, he said, I was disappointed that we fell away from, from our structures. So that might have been just the case that a lot of these guys hadn't played for several weeks. 
and then basically didn't quite hit the ground running. But the amazing thing is how they found their mojo within not just a week, but two weeks they took it to a, to another level again. So they certainly put in some big big punches to use a box <clears throat> a boxing term, terminology in that first forty. Yeah, and um, uh, I guess um, and Boa, the, the the only time the All Blacks were really up was when Sexton was off the pitch um, when he got concussed in that first test. He was around for the second two. You now, whether he should have been or not, after that, um, Luke, after failing that HIA and getting taken off in the first test, is a different a different issue, and we'll we'll come on to onto that. But um, yeah, I mean, as- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So we should talk about the island. So, um, Boa, wonderful team, lots of cohesion, know what each other's doing, got depth in every position apart from perhaps 10. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to have enjoyed what Ireland brought to these games. Oh, it's phenomenal. I think it was a coaching masterclass. Uh, some of their attack shapes, the way they bent the All Black first up defense line was terrific. They used a lot of variations versus the All Blacks, did it? Um, one thing I have to say is, Right from the get-go, when the when the tour was announced, when the venues were announced, as soon as I saw Wellington, I knew straight away this was going to be a disaster because Wellington is a cold, wet, miserable, windy joint. Um, forget the rugby or, or or the venue; it's just it has served. Uh, it hasn't served New Zealand uh, and and the All Blacks well at all because if you recall, Sunny Bill Williams first uh, all, uh, uh, the All Black, uh, sorry, not the first. Uh, getting a red card in the Lions tour, the the the, the two draw where we just got out of jail. Then that uh, uh, you know ridiculous pass Jordy Barrett threw, where I think it was Willie Larue hit an intercept and we lost to the box. So you know it's, it's been a messy, messy sort of venue, and we've you know we haven't had a good time over there. So as soon as I saw the announcement, I knew this wasn't going to end well. Um, and of course that. As far as Ireland focusing on what they did, we just got beaten up, particularly in the department where they were kicking out a hand. We just got turned around. And also, it just looked like after the first test, we sort of lost our commitment. We just didn't win those key moments, even though, um, you know, we didn't have too much uh, creativity in our attack. It just, to me, we just got outpassioned at home. And this is why. Uh, this is such an alarming drift in form. Uh, but at the same time, it's you know it's good to find this out one year out from the World Cup as opposed to next year. So all credit to Ireland, thoroughly outcoached, thoroughly outpassioned us. Um, and I just hope that uh, headquarters don't ever play another game in Wellington uh, 
so that we can avoid these sort of disasters. But th that's me purely talking as a statistician. Please do join us on uh, Wednesday evening when uh, Richie will give a heart and defence to Wellington and what a wonderful place it is. He's already in the live <laughs> chat telling us off and saying it's beautiful. And it, look, it's wonderful on a good day. Once every ten years, um, the um, but so so he he will so do join the uh, the standoff show on uh, which is our rugby league show on Wednesday evening eight pm where he'll give a full spot rebuttal um, to um, to Boa's uh, opinion as to uh, uh, as to Wellington. I'm, I'm I'm just superstitious about Ireland now. Forget the venue. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we play Ireland, there's probably a good chance they're going to knock us over. It's 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 as simple as that. Um, like to, to even. To counter that, Stephen, I am not because I am very confident in a World Cup year. If we play Ireland, it's going to be a complete reversal because that is what the statistical pattern says. So there you go. Wow. So okay. So so so, so Boa, big big there on what? Because uh, this look, let's be honest, folks. Uh, this is lining up to being a well. It, it's a 50-50 um, whether the All Blacks will play Ireland in the quarterfinals at the Rugby World Cup next year. So. Boa, so 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 so, so yeah. Congratulations, Ireland. You're wonderful. You're great. We're a New Zealand podcast. It's now time for us to get negative, um, and uh, and 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 put the knife in, um, or put the double actually perhaps put the double handed broad um, great sword in. Never mind knife um, into into New Zealand rugby. But um, before we go there, Boa, as the um, statistician who's happy with the All Blacks playing. Ireland next year in a Rugby World Cup year. Would you be happy with the All Blacks playing Ireland in a quarterfinal at the Rugby World Cup with Ian Foster still as head coach? No. So the variable there and the hypothesis is that Ian Foster plays no part in this All Black setup. Uh, very happy for Ireland to play the All Blacks in a quarterfinal, provided that Ian Foster is not in charge. If that's the case, I'm very comfortable. I think Ireland are going home based on the statistics, not based on the form line we're seeing from last weekend, based on the statistical uh, pattern at World Cups. Um, we're well, being asked to rate where we think Rank, um, Ian Foster is as a coach. Is he better than Eddie Jones, um, Andy Farrell, um, or even Jamie Joseph? And the answer to that is no, no, and no. Um, or or Galtier. Um, no, he's not at the moment. So, at the moment, uh, look, look, the... The, the big difference between uh, Ireland and um, and New Zealand, and I'm, I'm going to disagree with Boa um, about uh, kind of the the, the, the the kind of wanting it and passion. Was Ireland played as a team um, and had attacking shapes. New Zealand had no attacking shapes and relied on um, individual brilliance to score tries, and that's where those tries came from. I mean, we had that one where it was Lala um, tap tap ball up and. And uh, Bowden Barrett picks, uh, uh, takes it uh, on the hoof and goes and scores. And that's the, and if you've got no attacking shape, if you come across a good defence um, and you're relying on individual brilliance, you're not going to score many tries. And that's the massive difference. And at the end of the day, you can have everything else, but that one thing will just, um, uh, will, 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 will just do you in. So clearly, Ian Foster, whoever's in charge of the attack, um, is not doing a good enough job. Um, full stop. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Joe Smith getting involved because he was involved, obviously, with the first test match um, when uh, all the other coaches were out with COVID. Now, Joe Smith is joining as a selector. The reason for that is he does not want to travel. He made this very clear when he left the island job that look, his, he has um, got family um, commitments and issues that he wants. That he, he does not want to travel. Um, now, 
as an All Blacks coach, assistant or head coach, you have to travel a lot away from home. Um, so, But as a selector, you can do that from home or, or, or nearby, um, helping out with the Blues. You can do that from home or nearby, um, but uh, you can't do that uh, as part of the All Blacks coaching service. So no, Joe Smith um, will not be part of the all, uh, of, of the All Blacks coaching setup uh, in the next section, in the next whatever iteration it has next, because of that, because of his personal family commitments, and I totally respect him for that. I think it's entirely the right decision for him. So, um, so uh, all those people asking that and putting pressure or expectation around that, please don't, because uh, I don't think it's fair on on the fella um, to 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 um, to do that. But um, there we go. We've been told by Bella that he clearly wants uh, Ian Foster out because he said that uh, uh, that he's the variable that has to be removed. Um, Stephen, where do you sit on this? Um, should Ian Foster stay and uh, be given the opportunity to uh, grow from this? Is there a long-term plan to the Rugby World Cup that he's putting in that hasn't just come to fruition? Uh, where, where, where are you on this one? Oh, listen, I've... What 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 concerns me? We we're not we're not seeing anything. I I, I heard a, a very good um, a very very good piece on on the uh, the radio radio today where uh, an Irish journalist an Irish journalist met with the uh, um, the Irish team in the in the dressing room and a lot of the players basically said to him that they were really surprised what the All Blacks didn't bring to the game. They 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 actually expected innovation. They expected something different, but they were even they were surprised what the All Blacks actually brought to the table, which was not a hell of a lot. And um, I've got to agree with Bob. I, I think I think Foster's got to got to go. I mean, so I'm quite happy if they put in an interim coach at the moment. I'm not too fussed who it is. You've obviously given some reasons why Joe Schmidt can't travel, but I actually just think. It needs a change. It needs it needs a freshen freshen up. It needs a different look. Obviously, they're going to be looking for a new selector because, from what I believe, that was Grant Fox's last test as a as a selector. Oh, so, the, the, the replacement is Joe Smith. Joe Smith's replacing the, Grant Fox. The replacement is 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 Joe Smith. I kind of like that. You know, it <laughs> it may it may require a new set of eyes, but more importantly, I think this All Black squad does need freshening up. I think it needs needs some new heads. Brought into the squad, they, they, you know. Once again, a lot of people saying, "Oh, there's not a lot of a cattle around." How do we? How do we know that? You know, sometimes you'd you'll actually be surprised. Some some players, if given given the opportunity, are just so hungry to to get in there. There's a little bit of a bit of mindset as, as well. Obviously, you know, I spoke to a former All Black today, and he said there's there's also a mindset that goes with that as well. But for me to answer your question. I think you've got to move Ian Foster on altogether because to me, just watching some of the images, he just looks like a broken guy. And I also believe they need a change of captaincy as well. Now, before anyone gets get the wrong idea, saying someone isn't up for up, up to coaching international rugby does not mean we does not mean that the guy uh, that, that, that he's not a nice guy or, or is a, a, not a good person. From all accounts, Foster is a good person um, and a nice guy. Now, look. He is not charismatic. He does not come over well um, in the media, and he is part. And it, to me, he's part of that uh, um, old boys uh, New Zealand rugby network where they all believe that the uh, the media is the enemy. Um, and I think that comes across in how he approaches and and, uh, and deals with the media. Now, 
Um, this weekend, we should probably just touch on touch on this, uh, is that um, in the post-match uh, interviews with the written and, written and uh, or the or print and, and radio media, um, he uh, he said, "Look, I only want to talk about the game now. I don't want to talk about my future." Um, and after the game, to me, I, I get that, and I understand that, and it doesn't distract away from what I achieved. So I think I think that was perhaps the, the right call at the time knowing that there was going to be a media conference the next day in the hotel. Um, now, it required the, me the media manager to step in and stop uh, to, to enforce that, but I didn't have a problem with that per se. Um, what I did have a problem with then is if you're going to do that, you have to host that media conference you've arranged on Sunday. You can't then cancel it and not have it happen. Now, apparently Ian Foster said as he, as he was leaving, walking out to the coach, I don't know why it's cancelled, and it was taken out of his hands. Um, I think that and this shows, I think, part of the institutional problem that there is with um, New Zealand rugby in that they circled the wagons um, and found a way to to sort of not talk about this, thinking that it wouldn't take that that would sort of dampen down um, the sort of media noise around Ian Foster's future. Um, whilst they did their review and all that kind of stuff, that apparently started today at 10.30. Um, now, that's not how you communicate with fans that's not how you engage people um on that sort of thing so yeah i think the foster from what i say what i say i think Ian foster is, is, is generally genuinely a, a, a decent guy but um doesn't come across well i think he should 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 go i don't think he should stick around that does leave a problem as to who goes in um i'm not quite sure where i was going with all that talk but um so what i'll do is i'll just throw it straight over to uh to bell yeah, so are you, let me, yeah, yeah, are yeah, you yeah. giving a, a five-year contract to Razor, or are you getting interim coach? Look, look, it's it's pretty simple. So I'm going to get a bit corporate talky now with HR. You hire slowly, you fire real quickly. It's pretty simple. It doesn't matter what level of job it is. You fire real quick when results aren't delivered. you got to look after your backyard. It's unacceptable what has happened. And, you know, it's uh, everyone's been very critical of it. And same goes to the captain as well, I think. Uh, we need, we need, you know, we need a complete uh, change of scenery and, and change of leadership. Because on on the, uh, Wellington, you you never see any much leadership, anyways, and it, you know it transferred itself onto the field where the All Blacks were playing as well. Um, and I think as far as the hire, well, I mean this whole song and dance around Scott Robertson, he's been auditioning for this job for the last how many years? So to me, it's a very straight, simple fix. And and look, with this group of players, we don't need to make too many tweaks. It's just a it's 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 a mental thing. Uh, the rugby is there, and, and if you looked at the first test, particularly in the break at the breakdown and the collision, we absolutely, you know, smashed Ireland. Uh, uh, so the the point I'm trying to make is it's it's just a mindset thing here, guys. It's it's a very simple change, a very simple fix. We just need someone who's a bit creative, who's a bit adventurous, who can bring back that flair and that pride in the style of our play, uh, particularly around the counter attack, because uh, on, on the last test. There were many opportunities where I didn't actually kick the ball back to us, but we just ran out of ideas on how to counterattack, you know? So for me, it's pretty simple. Foster, heck of a nice guy. Fozzie Bear, you know, lovely guy. Uh, funny enough, uh, the coaching announcements was made at my home club, Monica Rose. And I, I remember, you know, they spent a heck of a lot of time hanging out with some of our junior players and, you know, the lovely people. Uh, but you have to understand, this is the professional game. This is where people have to man up. They get criticized for everything they do. You have to take the good with the bad. 
and you know they didn't really help themselves uh, cancelling the uh, sunday press conference and of course you know trying to say look i don't want to talk about it it just didn't help himself and steve bang on the money very uninspiring but that's just him that's just him and some people are just not cut out to be a head coach and in this game being an assistant coach is probably the safest place because when things go horribly wrong your neck is under the guillotine I think Bo's made some good points there around, around um, mindset, Stephen, because I think on, I, there's kind of two things that essentially a, a, an international coach has got to get right. One is selection, and the other one is around motivating the players to, to play your game plan. Um, the I mean, basic skills should be there, all that kind of stuff. Now, I mean, from a selection point of view, I mean, there's the odd question around one or two players, should Samasonia have been dropped this test? Should you put RTS in? But on the whole, his... It, it's not like he's got like majorly got got that wrong, is it? I mean, the, the players are uh, essentially right, given one or two tweaks. Uh, it, it's it is just down to uh, that 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 motivational side of things, Stephen. You know, I think I think a really good coach has got to have an ability to, to know how to profile a player with a with a specific skill set to play in a specific position. And, and of course, one of the, the 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 criticisms is the amount of chop and changing. That, that we've seen with this side and in specific positions you need really really smart people to implement your game plans if you look at Ireland at the moment their key man is Sexton wow everything revolves around Sexton but not to the point where he can go off the field his replacement Joey Carberry can still come on and do the job and you know you, you look you look in their forward pack each loose forward is a is a specialist. You've got uh, um, you've got the open side Franca De Flyer, is it? He he's 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 an amazing flank. He's probably close to the best seven in the world at the moment. Yeah, Caelan Dorison at, at at number eight. Peter Mahoney, who's a six, always seen him as a six. So all of a sudden you've got pace guys in their positions doing their respective jobs. So you've immediately got that trust if you've guys got if you've got those guys in there all the time. For me, we've still got guys playing out of out of position. Rico Ioani, for me, you know, if you think about it, even, even Foster by his own admission in an interview didn't believe that Rico Ioani was a centre. And with the greatest of respect, well, having watched Rico at super level, he still hasn't done enough for me to own that midfield position. You know, you can you can see it with certain players, certain midfielders. Samu Karevi from Australia is taking ownership of that second five position. Even though Bundyaki doesn't have top end pace, he takes ownership of that particular particular position. And you know, for me, that comes with the confidence of in your coach and yeah. in, in, in selection and game plan. All those three real important. Yeah, and then look, and uh, just adding to Steve's point, look. It's pretty simple as far as selections go. Pick, pick the right people. Don't pick out of place. Mm. Pick on the numbers. Pick on performance and form line. For a, for a talent pool uh, as deep as New Zealand, there's really no need to play people out of position. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. And of course, uh, you know, we can't be constantly tinkering this uh, this close to to a World Cup. You know. Uh, it just goes against all the fundamentals in high performance and elite level coaching. Um, and, and this is where I think someone like Foster really falls off the pace. 
And this is why we need a bit of freshening up. We have the players. We have the players. We have uh, the manpower. We just need what I would call two millimeters of changes up here. It's just on how we, um, you know, we need to be adventurous. We need to try new things. Um, and if we, if we are to fail, we need to fail forward. What, what actually happened in this series, particularly the last two tests, when we failed, we fell backwards. And, and that's, that's a real hammer blow, more so psychologically. Paul, Paul, I want to give you a quick example of of, of the profiling I'm, I'm talking about. Like for me, I personally think the two best mm -hmm. All Black locks, if they were given the opportunity to play in a combination, are actually Scott Barrett and 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 Sam Whitelock, despite um, Barrett being a you know a sort of reasonable success in that six jersey. For me, I would be bringing in a specialist lineout jumper who's not just good on his own ball, but on other teams' ball. So for me, Callum Grace, if you come back to what Boa says, wins all the stats. Again, he was the best in Super Rugby on line-out ball. You saw the masterclass that battery of locks did against the Blues in the final. I personally think we've got to have Artie Savia as a specialist seven. That's where he's at his best, disruptive at breakdown. He's he's basically doing the job of a of an eight, seven, and a six at the moment, but I want him to focus on the number seven side, the number eight, I haven't quite worked that out at the moment. Um, I've, if I was totally honest, the closest I, I, I've seen to a player who could turn into a world-class number eight is actually Hosking Satutu, because I just think he has a skill set that that he can basically pass from the pass from the back of the scrum. He's the sort of guy that can basically do a halfbacks job. Aaron Smith can go to the right. He can throw a, a 20 meter pass to the left. So for me, that would be my loose forward. And that's just based on, on, on profiles, profiling players moving forward. I don't think enough of that has been done by the selection group. And um, I think that's that's going to be talked about in, in the live chat here. So Luxon um, writes preconceived ideas, the type of player they, they want is hindering the team. Um, we go back up to. Uh, uh, Tim Kay, who said, look, Hansen, et cetera, always had the attitude that they knew things that the media couldn't, um, so they were always right. Aki and Lowe's success indicates that was uh, quite wrong. And I think there is a, there's definitely been a, an attitude um, with Hansen and also with Foster um, that for this, this uh, to, and, and should make themselves available um, for All Black selection ahead of everything else. Um, and unfortunately, look, that's that's not the reality. People have got lives, um, families to look after. Um, we shouldn't be uh, criticising players such as um, uh, well, such as uh, uh, Bundyaki was um, for heading overseas uh, if they're if they're not getting if they're not getting a look in at the moment just because you want to use them in three or four years time. They're not going to wait around for that. They can't wait around for that. That's their, their lives have got to move on. Um, uh, uh, Lua um, also at Bristol, the, the the Lucy, who they also had in marks as someone they thought could could be a six as well. Um, there's a number of players that they that they've treated like that, and that that's that's another part of this attitude um, problem that, uh, that that there is amongst this um, uh, amongst New Zealand rugby. It's not just going. It's not just a an Ian Foster or just a head coach uh, current coach yeah. thing. Paul, one thing I just want to add is, as far as selections go, look, you know, end of the day, numbers don't lie. And for me, numbers, statistics, it's it's like picking horses for courses. You know, you got to get the right personnel. Uh, pick on form. It's it's pretty simple. And then you've just got to manage that workload. 
and make sure the form line is progressive as opposed to regressive. What's actually happened here is we picked from, from some misconceived formula and as opposed to being progressive form lines, everyone has regressed. So that that is one key diagnostic we need to address. And that's something we've been talking about. And of course, goal kicking. This this is an area, you know, we seem to neglect time and again. I think given that we are finding it difficult to score tries, we then have to go to the next best thing, build pressure, make sure we get those penalties and take the points. You know, this is test match rugby. I've been going on and on about this at almost all levels. You've got to have a specialist goal kicker who can actually kick goals and get points. And the best example I give you is with um, Ireland. Whenever they got the opportunity, they took the points. And I actually looked at the clock. On average, it took about 91 seconds out of the game. So that's 91 seconds. You don't have to play uh, live ball in play. So to me, this is this is you know smart rugby. You've got to take uh, your basic options right. As far as team selection goes, make sure we get specialists in position. Um, and hopefully this whole situation with um, uh, Joe Schmidt coming on board is going to fix that. Uh, but we'll wait and see. We shall wait and see. Absolutely. Yeah. So a big body at 12. Um, Thomas Manga Jensen needed to, in- to be introduced to fight with Tapia. Look, I think um, there needs to be a big body somewhere in that back line. It doesn't have to be at 12, um, but none of the players there are people who you can give it to and they'll get you over the game line in the same way that Bundyaki would, uh, in the same way that Karevik does, um, uh, same way that uh, Delandi does uh, Delandi does for, for South Africa. So, yep, agreed there should be a big body. It doesn't have to be at 12, though, because if, like, in, um, if, uh, like Scotland have got the, um, oh, that Springbok, the, not Springbok, sorry, the South African wing up, I've gone blank mm-hmm. as to Vandermurther, he can come in and take it off uh, and take off at first receiver if needed. Um, you just need somebody there who can do it. Um, so, um, and yeah, the, the All Blacks don't have anybody at um, the moment. Uh, some questions about the timing of when Foster goes. Look, if Foster doesn't go now or within, within the next five days, i.e. this week, then he has to stay to the World Cup. It has to be, it has to be this week. This is the, um, so yeah, it has to be now or, or, or never, basically. Um, this this is the this is the time to do it. Otherwise, there's not enough time. Sorry, Stephen, you're shaking your head there. Yeah, you know, I I kind of want what wonder what sort of headspace he's in the moment. You know, he must be having self doubt as as well. And I, you know, and I mean that re- respectfully. I I was really hoping that he might make the right decision on his own. Where I do really feel sorry for Ian Foster, when I read that email yesterday from the New Zealand Rugby Union, man, had they thrown him on the bus, they virtually ghosted him. If that's what they've done, if they've cancelled the the press conference and he didn't know about it, and then all of a sudden they've thrown that out there, how do you reckon he's feeling at this very moment? Boy, because I'd I'd hardly want to carry on coaching if it was me, and that's one of the reasons why you know Boa said it before. Corporates don't muck around; they will make um, they will basically cut somebody very very quickly. And I just think it needs an injection of something. Yeah, of course, well, look, I mean, this, Scotty Stevenson did a, did an article or well, a, a a jokey letter that's written that, that, that's basically basically an article for the spin-off. And in that, he basically goes about how um, New Zealand rugby has burnt all the relationships over the last few years. And you're kind of like, well, look, the problem is, what, what, what the, the base of the problem of, of this is that New Zealand does not have good corporate leaders. New Zealand rugby, sorry, does not have good corporate leaders at the top. 
We've got people there um, who um, have been antagonistic towards their partners. Uh, Brett Impey, for example, um, Mark um, Richardson now, who's in there, who doesn't doesn't really have the experience of leading an organization, doesn't have any experience of leading an organization of this um, size or, um, or or media magnitude. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say, the uh, in, in JK said the same thing that on, on the breakdown last night that uh, he felt that Ian Foster had been thrown under the bus with that statement. Um, you don't do uh, there, there, there is a lack of leadership at the top there that makes um, uh, they, they, they try to run by a committee consensus um, of old boys and blazers, and uh, that's not how you run a corporation at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and look, this uh, reinforces uh, the age-old statement, and uh, it's so true in coaching. Quitting isn't the, quite the same as quitting whilst on top. So I'll say it again. Yep. Quitting isn't quite the same as quitting whilst on top. Mm -hmm. So for Ian Foster, this is probably the lowest of lows. Yeah, I, I mean, Personally, I, I feel really bad for him because that's heck of a nice guy. Very, very likable. He's the sort of guy, you know, you want to hang out and just, you know, just talk nonsense with him. You know, he's such a mellow, easygoing guy. But unfortunately, um, you know, in the eyes of pretty much everyone, um, you know, he's very uninspiring and his style of coaching does not bode well in this TikTok era particularly. Because, you know, you need people who are charismatic and who need to be able to inspire people just like that. So I think, I, I hope he does the right thing. Uh, and for his sake and for his well-being as well, because his well-being thing is being brandished quite heavily, particularly at headquarters. At the moment, I'm actually not seeing that. Um, so, yeah, um, higher slowly, higher quickly. Yeah, I feel like we're going round in circles now, boys. Um, I'm not sure uh, that there's anything more around this. Uh, I think we're, we're all in agreement that, uh, that he has to go. From as, as far as replacements go, look, Razor is clearly the, the guy to go in there. Uh, if I was him, though, I'd demand a five-year contract um, that uh, don't expect me to turn this around and win the next Rugby World Cup. Um, I need longer than that. Uh, so you've got to give me to the second World Rugby World Cup in five years' time. Uh, that would be my approach. Now, if they if they say no to that, then that leaves them in a, in a I guess, a, a tough place. Either you keep Foster or you put in an interim guy because mm -hmm. if you don't put Razor in after, after – if Razor isn't the – uh, the head coach of the first test in 2024, then the New Zealand public are going to hate New Zealand rugby. Um, not they, not they're particularly fans of them at the moment. Look, they love the All Blacks. They're not so keen on the people who organise and run the All Blacks. Um, is, is what I mean there. So don't don't get me don't get me that they hate the All Blacks. They still support the All Blacks, but they just wouldn't like New Zealand rugby. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that politics pans out. Um, don't forget, folks, I'm talking with uh, Harping on Rugby, Harping on Rugby podcast um, tomorrow um, morning. Uh, is Boa available? Yes, but not, not at a price that New Zealand Rugby could afford, even with Silver Lake money. Um, the um, Oh, actually, maybe maybe, maybe with Silver Lake money, Boa is available now. That, that's uh, We'll see. Well, um, as, yeah, like I said uh, before, uh, I, I struggle with my safe tackle framework to get it across the line for my trademark. So I think I'm wearing a luck on this one. <laughs> that, that, that was said in private, though. That wasn't said in public uh, <laughs> previously. <laughs> Paul, Paul, just just a just just a quick thing, because something that we've we've got to discuss is, uh, you know, from what I believe, a, a squad for the rugby championship is going to be named on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to sort of. 
obviously they're not going to have they're not going to have um, Brody Retallick for the mm-hmm. rugby championship. Is is what's the status on uh, Scott Barrett? Uh, I think that was an ankle or, or or that kind of thing. So I think he could be back, but uh, whether he's back in time for the uh, for the for the South Africa tour, I don't know. Um, but Patrick Tupolotu would be available um, back for that. Uh, I'm not sure. As, I think Josh Lord is out for the season. Is that right? Yes. From memory. Yes, that's um, so Evans from the Mary All Blacks, I would expect to come in. Um, I think he was being held. I think that's the only reason he wasn't named. I could be wrong. Well, Scott, Scott Barrett would be fine. I think he'll be cleared and declared fit uh, upon a fitness test. Um, yeah, I just hope that we have a new captain and coach name for the championship. Pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's, um, that's so probably well, all I asked was well. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, people are suggesting Gatland. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen or work. Um, <laughs> as an interim one, as I say, Joe Smith, I don't think will work either. I, I don't think will, will work either. Um, so the, yeah, there is only really one. Uh, true. Then, uh, uh, wouldn't be a bad one, but he, everyone else is pretty much contracted elsewhere. Just to interject, I think look, we need we we need younger coaches. We need more uh, adventurous coaches with this group of guys. And and even for guys like Scotty, they know, Razor knows that he has only a finite time to be able to deliver at the same level he is currently doing. So his peak will come over the next five to seven years. And that's just how it is. You know, uh, all coaches, particularly at elite level in the modern day, they have a very limited lifespan. Their shelf life expires very quickly. And unfortunately, this is one of the aspects headquarters haven't identified. Uh, this, and this is something uh, Ireland, uh, the, the Rugby Union Ireland, have actually identified. And if you look at some of their coaching staff, they are building towards that peak. Uh, although the statistical form line suggests that on the World Cup year, that's not the case. Uh, but, you know, that's that's just how it is in the modern game. Because you're dealing with uh, younger athletes who get motivated for slightly different uh, variety of reasons. So that needs to be kept in uh, uh, focus. And uh, we, we we need a bit of you know freshening up of ideas. If, if there were three uh, or four we players that already, that Scott Robbins, the, the Razors um, break dancing is on the downhill slope. So yeah, I guess his coaching is uh, we'll, we'll follow soon afterwards. Sorry, Stephen. I was, I was going to say if there are three or four players that you were going to bring bring into the squad, like like for me, I'd 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 love I'd love to see the uh, Canterbury Tidehead uh, prop uh, Newell Newell come in. I'd love to see Callum Grace. Brought into the squad, I think they'll obviously have to replace Brody Retallick. So I, I'd like to see Josh Josh Dixon actually come into the come into the squad as well. And listen, I don't really know where we're going with Kaltu Nukiafi. So I'd like to see Ethan Groot Ethan De Groot come back into the into the squad. And those those and those are four changes. I'd I'd definitely like to see. I don't mm-hmm. not too sure what the status on uh, on uh, Damian McKenzie is at the moment, but I would imagine if he's available, he'll probably come back into the squad. Uh, he's got to play one NPC game first before being allowed back into the squad is the kind of theory. Um, same for Patrick Tupolotu, unless uh, exceptions are made. Now, exception was made for Patrick because of the number of lock injuries. Um, but they, yeah, DMAC, as far as I'm aware, is fit and running around and raring to go. He just has to play one NPC game first. Um, Edward Boyd, uh, Tamati suggests, how about Ogara? Um, look, he is one of the young up-and-coming coaches that will be coaching a top uh, international side in the not-too-distant future. Um, but again, I don't think uh, New Zealand rugby could afford the uh, uh, break clause on his Larishel contract 
um, on that one, um, to be honest with you. Right. Anyway, folks, um, let's uh, wrap it up there. Uh, I'm going to leave it on a, uh, a light note that uh, I bet you will not have another weekend where you see two uh, international rugby games where someone has hits the crossbar challenge uh, with uh, with a penalty. Uh, we also had a, a penalty hit a post as well. So um, lots of kicks um, hitting posts um, this weekend. Uh, and um, thank you, everyone who's joined us live. Don't forget, we're back at 8 p.m. on Monday uh, for the Driving More Show. And hopefully we'll be able to announce uh, or be able to discuss who the new All Blacks head coach is um, at that time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.